Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. So good to be with you today. My name is Cindy Porter, and I wanna welcome everybody watching online today. I'm so glad that you are here at church with us today. If um, you haven't met me yet, um, I've been around for a few weeks, and my new mission here in Ohio, Wayne and I moved back from South Carolina, we are going to be the new campus pastors for the Sydney Church. And every time I say that, I have somebody say, to me on social media, Australia? And I'm like, nope, Ohio. But um, that's second best, right? Oh, and Australia would be great, but Ohio is great too. So we aren't a physical campus yet, as you guys know. We're getting everything in place, talking to people, looking for a location, and having so much fun doing that. We hope that our first Sunday launch will be in September of 2023. And so I just wanted to tell you this morning, if any of you have thoughts about that, if you feel God may be calling you to go to Sydney to help us, we would love to talk to you about that. You can talk to Wayne, you can talk to me. If you're listening online, you can drop a DM uh, to your uh, chat host and just tell us that you wanna hear more about the Sydney launch. Uh, we're, we're, we're looking for folks to go all in and for that to be part of their church. We're looking for folks who say, Cindy, we'd list, we'll, we'll come along and help and give you a year. Um, whatever God lays on your heart, we will be thrilled with that. Did you not love watching our kids this morning do the palms waving? Yes, was that the cutest thing? It brought a memory back. Um, years ago, I was at a church and we had the palm parade. And so all the teachers lined the kids up outside the worship center doors and um, they went, boy, girl, boy, girl and they all had their palm branches and they are waving them and they're coming up through the aisles and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king is coming, Hosanna. And I don't know if it was an accident, I don't know if a boy got bored, but he walloped a girl in front of him over the head with his palm branch. And then she got mad and she turned around and walloped him back over the head. And before you know it, we have these little kids fighting with palm branches right in the middle of the church. And it was, I laughed because I thought, you know, they came in like the triumphal entry, but they're going out as the angry mob, right? They were the cutest things ever, but our kids did a great job. They are good kids. Um, Palm Sunday was 2,000 years ago the original, and it was a joyous celebration for the people. You probably know the story, but if you don't, I'll share it with you. Jesus, he's been speaking and teaching, he's been doing miracles, he's been um, working with his disciples, and he knows it's time to be introduced. And so he, as the Messiah, and he comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, and all the people are so excited to see him. They, they want to treat him like a real king, so they throw their coats down for the, donkeys, the donkey to walk on, and they wave the palm branches, and they shout, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of the Jews. They're so happy. You know why? For the most part, they're so happy, they're so excited because they have been under Roman rule 
for many, many years, and they are tired of the tyranny of Rome. And they believe that Jesus has come to overthrow, to lead a revolt against Rome, and that they will be set free. You see, the people were focused, they were focused on political power to fix their need. They didn't understand that their need was so much greater than any political person, <laughs> any earthly king could fix. Their need was in their hearts and, and their need was in their souls and in their minds. And Jesus came, he came to be a different kind of king. After Palm Sunday, we know comes Good Friday, that'll be in a few days. And then just two days later, we're gonna celebrate Easter. I've always thought Good Friday should be called Terrible Friday. Anybody with me? I mean, I mean, I understand why we call it that, and we'll probably learn more about that next week, but Good Friday was always so horrible to me because that's the day that they killed Jesus. But today we're gonna talk about the appointment that Jesus had with the cross. Jesus went from Palm Sunday the people are singing his praises and they're shouting Hosanna to him. And then they crucify him in just seven days. Many of the people who were there waving the palm branches were part of the angry mob. Instead of wearing a golden crown, Jesus is wearing a crown of thorns. Instead of being uh, cared for by servants, Jesus is has two thieves on each side of him. Instead of sitting on a throne, he's hanging on a cross. And so today we're gonna look at the cross. We're gonna be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. If you've got your Bibles with us, if you're watching online, we're gonna have it up on the screens as well. Turn to your Bible app on your phone. We're gonna look at the final hours in the life of God's only son, Jesus. And I wanna give you a heads up. I'm gonna give you a, a claimer right now. <clears throat> I'm gonna give you an opportunity. I intend on giving you an opportunity later in this message for you to give a response to what Jesus did. So I want you to try hard to get all the distractions out of your mind about the rest of the day. I've asked the Holy Spirit to just be here with us, to speak to us, to soften our hearts, and so every one of us in this room, it's not just for certain people, but every one of us in this room today will give a response to Jesus. So let's start with Luke 23. We're gonna start with 26, and we're gonna read all through 56, 30 verses, but we want to read this whole story. So would you follow along with me? As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Serene. Now, let me stop right there. You see, Jesus had already gone through his trial at this point. They've beat him, they've knocked him around, they've treated him horribly. <clears throat> I'm sure he's not in great shape at this point. And they've decided that he'll be crucified. And that's where we're picking up. They seized Simon from Serene, who was on his way in from the country and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and he said to them, daughters 
of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, it's also known as Golgotha, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar. And they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save us and save yourself. But the criminal rebuked him. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. I always thought that those people might have been the ones that had just praised him and shouted Hosanna to him. After what they saw, I wonder how they went home, what they were feeling and thinking. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these signs. Now there was a man, Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, he wrapped it in linen cloth, he placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So when you read this whole um, narrative about Jesus' death, 
you'll notice in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels really don't describe or give many details about Jesus' crucifixion. And we often say, when we're talking about it, we say Jesus died on the cross. And we kind of move through it. Maybe they don't give a lot of details in the Gospels because in biblical times, the people knew how gruesome a crucifixion was, and they didn't need to, to add all the details. But that's not something that you and I are familiar with today. At least I have never seen a crucifixion. So we're gonna look at death by crucifixion in biblical times. Now you may be thinking, Pastor Cindy, please, let, let's not do this, let's not dwell on this. Because I've had the same thoughts when I've heard someone talk about it in detail. I always say, let's just talk about the good part. Let's talk about the best day ever. Let's talk about what it did for me, what it did for us. And I get it. I truly get it. I understand why we don't like to hear the details of a crucifixion. It's too raw. It makes you feel uncomfortable. As I read and studied this week, it was really, really heavy for me. And I didn't like it, and I wanted to skip to the good part. I wanted to skip to the best day ever. But I want us this morning to push past that uncomfortableness, and let's look at the cross. We need to know, and those of us who already know, we need to be reminded. Crucifixion, if you were to look up the definition, def, definition, it is the hanging of a person on a wooden cross. It was reserved for the vilest of criminals. In fact, if you were a citizen of Rome, they rarely executed you in this manner. To be executed by crucifixion was known at the time as the most painful and brutal way to die. I was reading um, some notes from one of my favorite pastors that I like to follow, his name's Pastor Craig Groeschel, and he brought out some really important aspects about crucifixion. We know that physically it was horrible, right? The word excruciating. Has anybody ever said, I am in such excruciating pain? Have you ever had that? Have you ever experienced that? X, the E-X, the first part of excruciating means out of. Cruciating means cross or crucifix. And that's where that word comes from. The word excruciating means out of the cross. Not only was it physically painful, but it was spiritually shameful to die on a cross. It was shameful because number one, they stripped the person down naked, and they put them up there to further humiliate them. And secondly, it was shameful because the scriptures tell us that it was a shame to be killed or to die on a cross. Galatians 13, chapter 3, verse, I'm sorry, Galatians 3, 13 tells us that Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, and here's where that comes from. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung upon a tree. So it was physically painful and spiritually shameful. So Jesus, after he would have had his trial, before they crucified him, they would have scourged him. 
And when the Romans did this, uh, how they did it was they took a whip, and this whip would have had sharp glass embedded in it. It would have had nails woven through it, and they whipped Jesus with it. And the custom was to whip the prisoner 39 times. So I assume that that's how many times Jesus felt the lash of that whip cut through his skin. And because a huge Roman soldier would be the one whipping, he would put all of his might into it. And it often sliced through the skin, through the muscle, and sometimes to the bone. And after they got done whipping Jesus, they expected him to carry the cross. It's a big, heavy wooden beam. They expect him to carry his own cross to Golgotha. And he tried. In spite of his efforts, I imagine he's in, his body is in shock. He's had a lot of a loss of blood. He can't do it. But the Roman soldiers, they want to get this thing moving along, so they appoint Simon to carry the cross for him. And when they get to Golgotha, the next thing they do, they lay the cross down on the ground and they threw Jesus backwards on it because they had to nail him to the cross. And so the Roman soldiers would have taken seven-inch spikes and they would have nailed one spike through his left wrist through to the wood, and then they would have taken the second spike and nailed it through his other wrist through the wood. And then they would have taken Jesus's left foot and they would have pressed it up against, backwards up against his right foot. And then they would put a spike through his feet. Because these are the points that would hold Jesus up on the cross. It was very thought out. And the only way that Jesus could get a breath was by pushing himself up so that his lungs could expand and he could take a breath and he would do that as long as he could and then he'd have to let himself back down. And if they thought that you were taking too long to die, Here's a side note, if they thought you were taking too long to die, because to them time was money. They had to pay the Roman guards to stand there and watch over the, the, the criminals on the, on the cross or whoever they decided to crucify. They, they paid to have them stand there, and so they didn't like it if it took any longer than four hours. And if it did, they would take a club and they would break the person's knees so it would quicken his death. And eventually, you die by suffocation. And that day, there are three men nailed to crosses. That tells me that the two, cro the two men, the two criminals that were hanging on each side of Jesus had done something horrible because only the most vilest criminal would be crucified. It tells me that next to him, he had two men who had done something so terrible that they were to die a physically painful death and a very shameful death. And Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, He's in the middle. It hit me this week as I worked on the message that they represent us. 
They represent you and I. We are one of the two men hanging next to Jesus. And so I began looking at my life and evaluating and saying, which one am I? Which one am I? One of the criminals who hung there, he hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. Save us. This guy was guilty, but he saw no need for a savior. He has Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, the creator of all creation, right next to him, and he does not believe. But the criminal on the other side of Jesus, he responded differently to Jesus. Two men, same exact situation, both the vilest of sinners on each side of him, and he responds differently in the presence of Christ. He asked him, he says to the other criminal, he says, don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence? And then verse 41, he says something that's really important that I want us to pay attention to this morning. The man, he said this in verse 41, we are, just, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, he's speaking of Jesus, has done nothing wrong. This guy recognized that he and the other criminal had committed a real and terrible crime, and he's saying, he's saying to him, the punishment that we're receiving, it is just and it is fair. We are getting what's right for our actions. We're getting what we deserve. I'm going to give you a statement. Let's, let's lighten it up a little bit. I'm gonna give you a statement, and I'm gonna say part of the sentence, and I want you to finish it for me, okay? Let's see if you know what the second half is, and, and say it out loud and loudly for me, okay? Are you ready? Here's the first one. What goes around, your past will come back. Yep. If you make your bed, you have to. Yep. These are all different ways that we say that you get what you, you get what you deserve. If you're anything like me, there's this little part of you that actually likes it when somebody gets what they deserve. Anybody here with me? Anybody brave enough to admit it? You kinda like it when somebody gets what they deserve after they've done something wrong. For example, when I'm driving down the interstate, Wayne and I lived in South Carolina in this little tiny place and we just had a little tiny road, but now I'm taking I-75 every day. And I'm driving down and people are riding on your bumper, right? And then they dart out past you and they fly by at 90 miles per hour. And then I go a few miles more down the road and I see that they're pulled over. And there's this little part of me, maybe this big, that is so happy to see that. I drive by him and I'm like, yeah, you just got what you deserve. I like it, it's so satisfying. <laughs> or that time I was at, um, I was flying internationally and I was at the Amsterdam airport and I'm waiting in a really long line at the ticket counter, and when the reservation agent called next, this guy who'd been standing off to the side, not waiting in the really long line, he just strides up and he cuts in front of everybody in line, and he gets waited on. So not fair. 
And of course, everyone gets mad, and everybody's grumbling. A few people said something to him. But when he got done, he just smirked at us, and he walked away. And when I got to the security checkpoint just a little bit later, I spot him. Guess where he's at? He's being detained. TSA's patting him down. And I was so happy. I thought, the first thing, I know, you're learning something about me. The first thing that popped in my head was, you deserve that. Good. You deserve that. I might even have waved as I went by. You know, maybe I smirked. Um, There's this part of me that likes it when somebody gets what they deserve. Except for when it's me. I don't want to get what I deserve. The second criminal, the second guy, he knows he's getting what he deserves. And he looks at Jesus and he knows, he believes this, this is the Messiah. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I want to point something out to you. Jesus isn't like me. (laughs) He doesn't give us what we deserve. He didn't look at him and say, no way. You have never done anything good in your entire life. He didn't look at him and say, are you kidding me? You've made a mess of everything. If anybody, you deserve hell. Jesus didn't say, I've been preaching, really? I've been preaching and I've been teaching all over the place, all over the region. You've been around, you've had opportunity to come and hear me preach, to come hear the word for weeks, and you just completely ignore me. You just come certain times of the year, right? You just ignore me. You never show up. You've never followed my commands. And now, you want me to save you? He didn't say, I'm sorry, but after the way you've lived, all of the things that you've done, I can forgive a lot of things, but I can't forgive your sins. Jesus didn't say, and this is my favorite, Jesus didn't say, clean up your life first. Clean up your life first and then we can talk. He didn't say, you're getting what you deserve. Jesus said nothing like that. He said to this man, this man who could not do one single thing to change his past, he could not do one single thing to earn righteousness, he could not do one single thing to make him right with his, to put him in right standing with God. And Jesus says to him, in spite of all of that, truly I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise because that's who Jesus is. He went to the cross so you and I wouldn't get what we deserve. And so I ask that question again, which man are we? All of us, you, me. Because of our sinful nature, we deserve judgment from God. Romans 8.23 tells us really clearly that the wages of sin is death. If you've sinned, you owe a debt. You have to pay for that. You just don't get away with it. You just can't live like that. The wages of sin is death. And each man 
beside Jesus had a choice and each one made a different decision and all of us here and, and people out across the world, we all have a choice to make. Jesus didn't choose that for us. He said, I'm going to give you a choice and you get to make the decision. If we live unrepentant, if we live unforgiven, we live as if we're dead. Just like the unrepentant man on the cross. I read something this week that really took me aback and I wanna read it to you. When Jesus was executed by crucifixion, he took all the sins, all the sins from the past, all the sins in this present time and all the sins to be committed in the future and he took all of that upon himself. And he became the most reprehensible sinner in the sight of a holy God. And I read that and my stomach just clenched. He who, know, who knew no sin took it all upon himself. The Apostle Paul puts it like this, as I just quoted, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, or other words, we might be in right standing with God. Because of his great love for us, God is so, so good, and if you walk out of here with anything today, this is what I want you to walk out with. God is so, so good. He is so full of mercy and compassion. He did not wanna be separated from you. He didn't wanna be separated from you, so he knew he had to make a way, and so Jesus made an appointment with the cross. Instead of letting us die and live eternity separated from him in hell as we deserve, he sent his son Jesus in my place so that I and so that you could have life. From the very beginning of time, our sins, disobedience to God, rebellion against him, all it has done is produce death. Death in our bodies, death in our hearts, death in our souls, death in our minds, death in relationships, in our world. When we look away from Jesus and we seek salvation in a thousand different ways other than him, when we ignore the one who has the right to rule it on our lives, when we love ourselves and we love pleasure more than we love him, Sidebar there, there's nothing more pleasurable than serving God. That's a lie from Satan. We substitute. We substitute his perfect love for the things of the world. Long ago on that terrible Good Friday, Christ took your place. We didn't deserve it, but he paid our debt in full. And I wanna to read to you from Isaiah 53, six. It's the message version. The servant, this is Jesus, grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew sin firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried. 
our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all our sins, everything that we've ever done wrong, on him, on him. Christ died on the cross so that you and I would not get what we deserve. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just and will forgive all our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So maybe this morning as you're listening to me, those of you watching online, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I have been feeling dead inside for a long time and I really didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to call it. I just know that it has not been right with me. Jesus came. He had that appointment with the cross so you wouldn't have to feel that way. He had that appointment with the cross to give you new life. And so this morning, I just wanna, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I need his forgiveness? Do I need his healing of my heart and my mind? I ask you, do you want to live the rest of your life here on earth with his peace and no joy and no power that only comes from a life lived and walked with Christ? And someday, just like the thief on the cross, do you wanna be with him in paradise? That's like the icing on the cake. Earlier I told you I was gonna give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus, and even those of you watching online, if you're home right now listening to this, you're part of this too. Christ is with you wherever you are, just as he's with us here in this room this morning. And so I'm gonna ask you as I close, I want you to do something for me. I want everybody to bow your heads, put your heads down, and I want you to close your eyes. <clears throat> and I want you to just take a moment and just listen. Listen to what God is saying to you. If you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe one time you did follow him, but you found that you've walked away from him, maybe you flat out turned your back on him, you've been hurt along the way, you've been angry at him, you've stopped living your life for him, and you're you're hearing all of this today and, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and you say, I want I want to be a follower of Christ. He did for me what I don't deserve and the least I can do is give him my life. And you want to repent of your sins and follow Jesus. I'm gonna ask you to do this. Anybody that has that, I would like for you to pray with me. If, if, if you are a follower of Christ, then I want you to pray for the people in this room who do not know him. That's your prayer right now as we close. And if you want to be a follower of Jesus, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. 
I'll pray it slowly and then you can just repeat it. You can repeat it audibly or you can just repeat it to yourself. Father, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Today I turn from my sin. I surrender my life completely to you. Would you forgive me? Would you give me a new life? Would you make me brand new? In Jesus' name, amen. And I don't want you to look up yet. I'm sorry, put your heads back down. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, if you prayed that prayer, nobody looking around, heads down, eyes closed, would you just lift your hand up for me? I'm not gonna come signal you out. I'm not gonna do anything like that. Okay, I see that hand, thank you. Anybody else? Put your, just put your hand up, don't be afraid. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Whew. Yes, thank you, Lord. Okay, you can put your hands down. If you're watching online this morning and you prayed that prayer with me, I just want you to let your chat host know. You can drop them a DM or you can put a heart emoji in the comments, whatever, just so that we'll know so we can pray for you. All right, you can look up, getting ready to pray and let you go. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you that there's quite a few people this morning that came to know Christ that have accepted him as their Lord and their Savior. And that, yeah. And the heavens say that the angels rejoice. So those of you who lifted your hand this morning, the angels rejoice with you today, and we rejoice with you. After the service is over, if anybody would like prayer, prayer for healing, maybe you're interceding for somebody that doesn't know Christ, and you would like prayer, we're gonna have a few pastors and folks up here that we'd be happy to pray with you. If you're newer to the valley, don't forget that after we're done here, that back in the prayer room, there's gonna be a starting point, 10, 15 minutes with Pastor Andy where he can share with you what the next steps are. And those of you who lifted your hand, if you accepted Christ for the first time in your life, go to starting point because Pastor Andy can tell you what to do next. What's the next step in your journey? We wanna walk that with you, we wanna be there with you. And I'm gonna stick around. If you wanna come and tell me, I'd, I'd love to talk to you as well. So would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna dismiss you. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you. That's all I have is a heart of gratitude. We're going to celebrate the best day ever next week, but we can celebrate today too. We can be so thankful that we know who you are, that you truly are the Messiah. You're the one who came to set us free, to give us life here on this earth, far different than anything that we could live without you. And Father, we say thank you. Lord, you saw those who recommitted or committed their lives to you this morning, Lord. I pray that you would make yourself known to them in a very real way this week do it, Lord. Make yourself known to them so that they know that you see them, that you love them, that you care for them, 
and that you want to walk beside them through the rest of their life. So, Father, we thank you. We praise your name. And all God's people said, amen. You can head out. Have a blessed day. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend because change lives, change lives.